Tommy Stokey here with John Heyman. As always, we are recording on Friday, September 9th. Um, John had his Inside Baseball out yesterday on Thursday on today's knuckleball.com looking at the 20 best trades of the last two seasons. Number one, obviously, uh, Josh Donaldson to the Blue Jays from Oakland. Um, John, you focused on Billy Bean and, and that trade. And has the Donaldson trade kind of overshadowed everything else that Billy Bean has done and almost hurt his perception a little bit? You know, I guess everything's into the mix. You know, it's a stew, someone's career. Uh, includes all the good, all the bad. That obviously was a mistake. I, I'm sure he gets that now. But, uh, you know, it's been quite a career, really. I mean, I understand we have a book, we have a movie, we have all that. But uh, if you look, since 2000, uh, they've had, I believe, uh, something like nine seasons of 90 wins, eight or nine seasons of 90 wins or more. That's pretty good. For a small market team, obviously the last couple seasons haven't been like that. Uh, you know, obviously this was a bad trade. I'm not, you know, he, he's a guy who's always willing to retool, as Josh told me. The guy who likes to mix it up, uh, get younger, get more assets. It worked several years ago when he made the trade where he traded Rich Harden to the Cubs and got Josh Donaldson as the fourth guy in. He was a catcher at the time, converted to third base, became a star. Now a bigger star in Toronto. I mean, uh, Billy Bean's a guy who's made a lot of trades. He's made a lot of good trades. He's made some bad trades. He's had a really good career. But uh, obviously this trade didn't work. And, you know, I think it counts, but it doesn't diminish the fact that he's one of the better general managers of all time. You've talked to both of them recently. Is there Was there even any way to know that Josh Donaldson was going to be this? I mean, he was good when they traded him, but he wasn't – MVP caliber when they traded him. Yeah, I don't think there was any way to know. I mean, we know Oakland was a big park. He's going to a smaller park. He, of course, is leaving a grass field for a turf field at the time. Uh, he wondered about whether injuries would catch up. He's been incredibly durable. I think the smaller field has helped a little bit, but he has become a much better player, a better hitter, big-time hitter. And at this point, uh, to me, he's one of the five main MVP candidates in the American League. You might even say Fewer than that because voters like myself uh, do weigh in uh, whether a team uh, is contending or not in terms of MVP because we look at the word valuable. And uh, Donaldson, when I talked to him, he said the same thing. He thinks that you got to win to be the MVP, and he loves Altuve, he loves Trout. But at this moment, and of course Houston's still not completely out of it, they've got a shot. But at this moment, uh, you know, he kind of looks at Betts and Machado as the main competitors for the MVP. Yeah, looking at Donaldson's numbers right now, his last year in Oakland, he hit 29 home runs, hit 255, which was down from 301 the year before. Uh, his his OPS dropped by over 90. Um, so maybe there was a sign there, and then all of a sudden he shoots up to over 900 the last two years for OPS for the first time in his career. 41 homers last year, 34 this year. He's hitting closer to 300. So as bad as the trade looks now, I, he was. It's it's hard to, I guess, remember that he wasn't this player when it happened. Right. Of course, I think the trade uh, is um, decided afterward, and we still have time on this. He, they, obviously, Billy Bean joked, I, "I'm going to need Franklin Barreto to hit, to win two MVPs to make this trade look good." I, I know that was a joke. He's a 
talented, very young player, middle infielder. Uh, but, you know, I think the trade is fairly, fairly graded uh, later. I, I, I think at the time, yeah, it didn't look as bad. But I don't, I, to me, that doesn't make any difference. It really, you know, what, what matters is how, is it, how does it turn out. And, you know, I, I, of course, you could say that nobody knew that Donaldson would take this step forward, and you didn't know Laurie was going to take a step backward at the time. I think Laurie was in his early 20s. Uh, he had already been traded uh, before, but uh, uh, now he's been traded a few times. And I think he just—he's been kind of a guy who's gotten hurt a lot, uh, kind of disappointed, uh, has not lived up to the uh, first year that he he played. And I mean that happens. I mean he has just dropped off. So I think it's a combination of things. The main thing is that Donaldson became an MVP, may become a double MVP, but. Uh, uh, the Oakland part of that trade hasn't looked as great as they had hoped either at this point. Now, they've got a lot more time. They've got a longer time frame because we're going to see on Barreto, he's still uh, only around 20 years old. Yeah, and the other trade that I think brings some flack into this is a carryover is the Jeff Samarja, acquiring Jeff Samarja and Jason Hamill from the Cubs uh, for Addison Russell and Billy McKinney. And, and if Oakland doesn't blow that wild card, that trade doesn't look all that bad. I mean, obviously we know what Russell is now, but they get into the playoffs, they have Lester, Samarja, they have a good rotation, they have a good team, and if they don't blow it to the Royals, who knows what happens, and then I don't think that the Donaldson trade looks as bad. I think part of the reason why it looks bad is because it came after the Addison-Russell trade as well. Yeah, I would agree with you, right. Um, you know, at that time, uh, he's getting two starting pitchers uh, for one prospect, so, uh, you know, a lot of people loved Addison-Russell, uh, and he looks like he's going to be a great player, um, and uh, it was an all-star this year. I think he probably has something to do with the Cubs fans, but uh, he's played really well in the second half. And, uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, the Cubs are thrilled with that trade, obviously. And, uh, you know, Oakland can do some second-guessing, but to me that was a logical trade. They were going for it. They were taking a risk, and that's a typical Billy Bean trade, and I don't fault him for that. The, the Donaldson, is one, Donaldson trade is one you can look at and say, Hmm, I'm not sure why he quite did that, uh, but you know what? He did the Harden trade. They got criticized equally for that trade. That trade worked out unbelievably well. They never would have had a Donaldson if they hadn't made that trade. And if you look at his, the record of trades, uh, by and large, he's done uh, very, very well. Obviously, as they've, as I said, a small market team winning 90 plus games a lot. It's not easy to do. So, so what's next for this team? I mean. They usually, even when they're rebuilding, they are still competitive. They're still around 500. This year, obviously not the case. Their elimination number is one, not that anyone is, is counting. Um, what's next for them? Do they Are they more competitive next year? Are they going to take another step back by trading a guy like Sonny Gray? Uh, Sean Doolittle is another um, option that could be attractive in the offseason. Is it going to be a step forward where they're rebuilding on the fly but competitive again, or is this going to be one of the longer processes for Billy Bean? Yeah, I mean, they're in a tough spot right now. Billy Bean, I do think, is a very smart man, but uh, they have a long way to go. Uh, I mean, this is the second year now where they're going to finish well below 500. Last year they were, I believe, um, close to 30 games under 500, something like 26 games under right now. They're uh, 19 under or so. Um, you know, I, I, I think they're in a tough spot because uh, they don't have those kind of pieces to trade. Uh, uh, Gray is coming off of a poor season uh, in which he's had injury, and uh, he may not uh, 
get on that mound again. So I, I don't see how they can trade Sonny Gray. Uh, you cannot hope to get much back for Sonny Gray at this moment. He is very young. He is talented. He has a good track record. But coming off of this year, it did not look like there was really much action on Sonny Gray. I mean, you know, young guy throwing hard like Archer not having a good year. Uh, there was a lot of interest. The interest in Sonny Gray was down. So I think he's going to have a hard time. I really don't see uh, that many tradable pieces. The pieces that he had were the free agents, Reddick and Hill, and he's traded them for three pitching prospects. And uh, obviously they have a good eye for prospects, and maybe they will develop. But I, I will be surprised if the uh, A's can become contenders next year. Looking at a couple other rebuilding teams that are in somewhat similar as each other, the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, they will presumably get younger with uh, Ryan Howard probably declining his option. Um, Carlos Ruiz gone, so all the old Phillies from the World Series teams are gone. But you reported that they'll be looking for veteran hitters um, and that two options could be Martin Prado, could be Ian Desmond. So where do you think that they think they're at in this rebuilding process if they are going to go after some of these um impact veteran hitters yeah i mean they remade their farm system with a couple trades the hamels trade and some other trades uh it was down in the dumps and they made it decent and uh they have right now a lineup that basically is filled with players who are rookies or second year players uh, freddie galvis is among the most experienced players that they do have uh, that's, he's not very experienced at all. I mean, I barely count Ryan Howard. He's a, a very limited part-time player for them, and they will decline that $23 million option. They'll be happy to get that off the book. So uh, they, they have a lot of money to spend. They are, have a big revenue. Uh, they will no longer have Chooch on the, on the payroll, no longer have Howard except for that $10 million buyout. Uh, they do have money, and I think they're looking to get a solid – veteran who they can plug in to somewhere near the middle of that lineup. So Desmond, Prado, somebody like that, I don't think they're going to look at like a Bautista who's a little bit older or an Encarnacion who's still obviously a great player but a little bit older than the others uh, and going to be more expensive. At this point, they're going to do a nice free agent signing or two of a hitter if they can and uh, try to improve that offense. Uh, right now, you know, you've got the middle of the order with uh, Michael Franco, who's a good hitter, uh, but they need to beef it up a little bit, and they understand that. Um, they've got some young pitchers uh, as well who've done pretty well. Eikhoff comes to mind, and I think Nola's talented. Uh, he had a little bit of an injury this year. Thompson looked pretty good. Um, so they have some young pitchers, but most, for the most part, they're number three, number four type starters. And they'd like to get an ace at some point and figure out how to do that. I'm not sure they're going to be able to do that this offseason. This is not the offseason to do it, and I don't believe that they think they're ready to win right now. I, I think that they understand that they're at least another year away, uh, which isn't bad considering where they were. They had the dynasty. Uh, they got some age on them. They went down fairly quickly. Uh, and they began that rebuild with some very nice trades, and uh, I think they're in a decent position at this point uh, going forward. Does that mean they're going to contend next year? I, I'd be surprised, but uh, I, I don't think they're that far away. Yeah, and the NL East to me is kind of a toss-up moving forward. We have Washington, who they look like they're pretty safe to say that you can chalk them in as a, you know, the team to beat. In the division, the Mets, I still think if they 
lose Cespedes in free agency and don't re-sign him that with some of the injuries that you just can't you don't know where they're going to necessarily be um and then the Marlins and and the Braves obviously um the Braves rebuilding the Marlins I don't think that they've established themselves as the top contender in the division so if they get a guy like Desmond if they get a guy like Prado perhaps they can you know either sneak into some kind of discussion I, I know the teams with the second wild card now they can talk themselves into being in it for a lot longer and just something like that will be a, an optimistic step forward yeah I, I mean I, I, I like I said I think they're in decent position I think they've improved their position quite a bit with those trades and uh, they can help themselves further with a free agent signing here or there uh, this isn't the year to go crazy in the free agent market I think when the time comes they may go crazy. I mean, you've heard Bryce Harper's name connected to the Phillies. Uh, they're a team that probably can't afford him. I mean, there aren't going to be that many teams that can afford him. Obviously, the Yankees are the team most often connected to Harper, but I have heard the Phillies connected to him. Uh, so they can make a big splash at some point in time. But I think they understand right now they're not going to be able to compete with Washington and certainly in the National League. They're not going to be able to compete with the Cubs or probably the Dodgers or the Giants at this point. Uh, so I, I think they're going to uh, tone it down a bit uh, in terms of uh, what their expectations are, but try to improve a little bit. They've improved a little bit from last year to this year, and if they can make another 5-10 to 10 game leap next year, I think they'd be very happy with that. The Phillies have had to dig themselves out from some contracts, similarly to the San Diego Padres, who you mentioned that there's some frustration from the owner there. Um, obviously, year one of A.J. Preller didn't go very well, but year two has gone really well in terms of at least rebuilding on the field. Um, there are some positive signs, but obviously not winning. Is there enough patience there that they're going to be able to, to see this through? Uh, we're going to see. Now, uh, you hear good things about Ron Fowler, but uh, we'll say he hasn't been the most patient owner in his short tenure. Uh, they did have Josh Burns. They made a change there, and then brought in A.J. Preller, who shook things up. Obviously, you are correct. Things did not go well in year one. I think Will Myers has uh, made that trade seem okay now. Uh, he had a very, very good first half, uh, had a little excitement making the all-star team and uh, in the home run derby, but it's nice to have a slugger on the team. But the other trades uh, turned out to be not worthwhile for a small market team and did not get them where they wanted to go. And they, I think they did the right thing to rebuild uh, quickly and to extricate themselves from what they could. The James Shields uh, signing was uh, a, a, not a success, I'll put it that way. Uh, they did well to get out from half of the remainder of that contract. Uh, they got out from $30 million, a little bit more than that, of Matt Kemp. I think they did well there to get out from that. Uh, you know, they got the uh, draft choice for Upton. So, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, they're on the right track now. I think A.J. Preller uh, is well-known as a guy for, who can procure young talent, particularly on the international side. They made a lot of international signings, and they seem to be going in the right direction. You do hear whispers, though, that there is a bit of impatience, uh, a little bit of unhappiness. I mean, uh, they, I think they made the right decision. I think they did pretty well extricating themselves. So, you know, I'm not advocating any sort of change uh, either from uh, for Mike D, the president, or A.J. Preller, the general manager. Uh, you do hear the whispers, but to me, they're on the right track now. Uh, it didn't work out the first year, obviously. When you look at the Padres, the Phillies, and the Athletics, 
I would put the Phillies as in the best situation because they're certainly not close, but they're closer right now than those three. Plus, if you get one or two guys in free agency this year, set yourself up for a huge free agent in 2018. I think they're probably the closest. Um, how do you see those three when comparing to each other on you know who's close and who's the far- furthest away? Yeah, I would agree with you. I think the Phillies are the closest. Uh, they also have the most money to spend. They're the one big market team of that trio. And, um, you know, I think that the Hamels trade, while I rated that in Texas's favor as one of the top 20 trades of the last two years, as I said, Philly actually did pretty well with that trade, and they got a lot back. Uh, they love Jorge Alfaro, the catcher, who's got an 80 arm on the scale of 20 to 80 and uh, they like him very much. Uh, Nick Williams, outfielder, is talented. Uh, and, of course, they got Eikhoff and Thompson and Asher. Uh, they got a lot of pieces in that trade. So uh, they had the piece to trade. They made uh, decent hay out of that trade, and they set themselves up, I think, decently, and they have the money also compared to the other two teams. You know, I never put anything past Billy Bean, and I like what San Diego's doing. It looks a little bit longer term for me with the international signing. So... I'm with you. I think Philly's a little ahead of Oakland and San Diego right now. Staying in the NL East, the the New York Mets. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Terry Collins was on the hot seat in your column. I certainly don't think that that's changed now that they've competed them or played their way into contention and currently in a wild card game somehow. Is making a wild card game and losing. Is that enough to save Terry Collins' job or change whatever perception there is there, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be difficult to fire Collins if they get in, even as a wild card. Uh, you know, I, it's a miracle considering they're doing this without Matts now. Uh, Matts pitched a while and, and did pretty well considering he had an elbow situation going on. Uh, and without DeGrom now, uh, they've got really guys that nobody thought were going to come in and pitch as well as they have in Lugo, Montero, and Gazelman. And uh, really the whole team is kind of gelled, and uh, everyone's feeling pretty good about themselves. Uh, so right now I would say uh, if he makes the playoffs, it's just hard to envision uh, them firing uh, Collins. If they do not make the playoffs, I think all bets are off there. I think Collins is clearly on the hot seat. I think that... Uh, you know, uh, as ter- as uh, Sandy Alderson said in his book a couple springs ago, that he was pretty seriously considering making a change, but he was really out of his hands, and that meant the owner uh, did not let him. But I, I would say at this point, Collins does have a year to go on his contract. Uh, you got to give him credit for the way they've uh, rebounded here. Uh, but if they're not a playoff team, I think he's in jeopardy. If they do make the playoffs, I, I think it's hard. I think it'd be hard to fire him. They hold the second spot right now, uh, half game up on the St. Louis Cardinals. But one thing that you brought up was playing it safe with Steven Matz and Jacob deGrom, specifically their young pitching. Can they afford to play it safe? And this is where Terry Collins is in an awkward spot. If it's thinking long-term and he knows that he's going to be here for long-term, he can say, I guess I don't know if it's his decision or not, but he can say, you know what? we need to save these guys um, for the future. But if he knows that he has to make the wild card game to save his job, maybe it's, eh, we can squeak six, seven innings out of him or a start or two out of him down the stretch. 
can they afford to bench these guys? Can they afford not to bench these guys? Yeah, I, I hope their thinking is not short-term with these very talented young pitchers whose careers are just getting off the ground now. I, I hope they do the right thing and let Matt's rest if he needs to rest more and let DeGrom rest if he needs to rest more. I mean, Matt's, we know he's got uh, a spur, a large spur in his elbow, and we know he has a shoulder situation going on right now. Uh, DeGrom has got something happening with his elbow. This is a guy who has that Tommy John already. These are two guys who have not even made it to arbitration. Not that money is everything, but haven't even made it to arbitration. Uh, I think they need to play it safe. I mean, they did not play it safe last year with Harvey. Uh, you know, Harvey, they, they felt that uh, he could keep pitching, and we don't know the reason that Harvey's now out for the year. Obviously, it was a thoracic outlet. It wasn't uh, an elbow situation that knocked him out, but... Uh, we can't be sure exactly what knocked him out, but Harvey uh, wanted to keep pitching. Ultimately, it was his call to keep going. And, uh, you know, obviously they made it all the way to the World Series, had a great season, but now we see Harvey's not around. I, I'm hopeful that they do the right thing here. To me, they don't have a World Series team uh, at the moment. Uh, you know, with a, without them or even with them, diminished. You know, they're not necessarily going to be themselves. So, uh, these other guys have pitched well. Uh, I continue pitching Gazelman, Lugo, and Montero. Uh, you know, maybe it diminishes their chances a bit. Uh, I don't know what their chances were anyway with, with uh, Matt's not really himself and DeGrom really not himself. I, I hope they play it safe. I think that's the right thing to do. Yeah, what I would kind of compare it to is if you're the Mets and you sit down and say, you can't realistically say that they we have a chance if we're the Mets – to beat the Cubs, beat the Dodgers, beat the Nationals, beat pretty much anyone in a five, seven-game series. So I would look at it as like the Pittsburgh Pirates, who it's not a rebuilding year by any means, but they understood that, okay, this year we might not quite be there, um, so let's look for 2017, where we don't have to tear everything down, but we're going to play things safe here and there. We're going to try this here and there and look at it that way for the Mets you don't have a team that's going to do damage in the playoffs I know that you're here now if the season ends today but with those two play it safe if they need the rest give them the rest it's not worth it to push them try out these other three that and see what you have there um, and if you make the wild card game great if you don't oh well because your chances uh, in 17 18 and, and 19 are certainly a lot better than 16, in my opinion. Right, and, and I just don't know that uh, Mats and DeGrom are going to be really anything close to their full selves anyway, even if it's not like risking their long-term career. Uh, are they going to be that much more effective than Gazelman, Lugo, and Montero? I mean, Gazelman, Lugo, and Montero have been better than the recent Mats and the recent DeGrom, the diminished DeGrom and the diminished Mats. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that they're going to be that much better with Mats and DeGrom. They're better names. They have more talent. They have longer. They're going to have better careers, presumably. But I, I just don't think that throwing them out them out there, not at full strength, necessarily even helps them for this year and could ha could hurt them for long term. So I, I'm in favor of playing it safe. I'm not always in the majority there. I agreed with the Nats playing it safe with Strasburg. It worked up until this year. We'll see on Strasburg. He's obviously had a setback. But, uh, you know, I think a guy's career 
uh, is more important than a couple games, and especially a couple games where you guys not going to be himself. Yeah, and you have to look forward to the future because you have a left-handed power hitter in the system now in Tim Tebow that might be their savior <laughs> down the stretch. So with Tebow, obviously there are plenty of thoughts and opinions. First, are the Mets sincere in signing him for baseball reasons? Well, I think they'll take it if he can play baseball. I mean, I, they must, I do think they saw enough out there that they feel there is some chance. Now, whether that's a one-in-five shot or a one-in-a-hundred shot, as I think it is, I'm not sure. I can't get inside their heads. I saw the clips of him playing. It looks to me like he's a pretty terrible outfielder, and he looks like he has a decent swing and definitely some power. So, I don't know. He looked to me like an American League player based on what I saw, but you know, maybe he can learn to be serviceable in left field. That um, doesn't look like he's, believe it or not, going to have the arm for right field, even though he was a quarterback, uh, or probably the speed, even though he was a great running quarterback for center field. It's a different animal playing baseball. So, I, I mean, I think his chances are long. If they tell me that they think that he's got a shot, I, I'm not going to doubt them, and they certainly at the price. It's a very low risk in terms of the price. And at the very least, he's a, a guy with exemplary character, and he's going to help uh, in the clubhouse with these young guys in the minor leagues. So uh, that certainly has a value. The publicity has a value. And, you know, if it's a 1 out of 10 shot, and I think I'm being unbelievably generous there, uh, that has some value as well. So, I mean, I don't blame them for signing him. My understanding is there were at least five teams in the mix, uh, probably for a variety of these reasons, including the publicity, including the character, all of that. I, I get it, but, yeah, I don't think anybody really believes he's going to be a savior of the franchise as a baseball player. If he makes it to the major leagues, I think that'll be, uh, if not a miracle, close to a miracle. Is it a big deal that he's not leaving the SEC network this year, that he's going to be taking days off? I know that yesterday it was reported by Colin Cowherd on his show that he said the Mets were the only team that were going to allow that. Um, whether or not that's true or not, is leaving him taking time off the instructional league or wherever he's going to be, is that a big deal? Not to me, because I don't think he has much chance to make it anyway. So, I, you know, he's there for the character and the publicity. So you're going to still get his good character when he's there, and you're still going to get the publicity. Uh, in terms of making it, I, I mean, like I said, I think it's a incredible long shot anyway. I do think that going to uh, – I believe him that he loves baseball, but if he's going to do TV too, uh, you know, I don't think he's putting in the 100% effort, nor can anyone claim that this is 100% effort uh, in terms of making it as a baseball player. Uh, he should do what the other guys do and work on their schedule, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's been the first kind of black eye from his perspective on it, that, you know, if he wanted to play baseball, go for it. If you want to try it, go for it. If you have the, the resources and the you know, obviously he does to, to get a showcase and try out. It's not his fault that anybody went to the sh that everybody went to the showcase. It's not his fault that somebody signed him. Um, I know that there are a lot of minor leaguers right now on Twitter. You know, hey, I only got a ten thousand dollar signing bonus. I didn't get a hundred thousand dollar signing bonus. What's well, a different animal when you have one team and you're drafted? Um, you're worth what somebody's going to pay you, in my opinion. So. Right, that's capitalism. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I can understand having those feelings. It's not really worth putting them on Twitter. Uh, that's the way the world works. You know, these guys in the minor leagues are very young. 
Um, you know, that's capitalism, uh, no matter what you think of it, and I certainly understand it. I didn't like when I saw that he was selling bats for, with his autograph for 125 175 but I guess somebody could tell me that's capitalism, too. But uh, the selling of the bats, the uh, TV uh, time away, I mean, it doesn't add up to me that a guy is putting in all his heart to making it as a baseball player. I mean, he's hedging his bets to some degree, and you know what? I can't blame him for hedging his bets because, to me, it's a hundred to one shot or more that he ever really contributes anything at the major league level. If I'm a minor leaguer, I want him on my team because I don't know if it's going to bring one more scout or thirty more scouts. Either way, it's going to bring more eyes, and if that gives me a better chance of being seen. I'm all for it. Bring Tim Tebow to my stadium so people can see me. I think that happens often where guys are going to see one player and it's, well, wait, this guy actually caught my attention. So I think it's good if he's on your team and you're a minor leaguer. Yeah, that might be so. I'm not sure who the guy's complaining are. They're probably not the guys on his team. You right. Know, they, they don't want to be facing Tim Tebow and saying, I'm the guy who just tweeted you shouldn't des- you didn't deserve the 100 grand. Minor league is minor league is big though, so I'm sure it's guys on other teams. It's right. probably not going to not guys on the Binghamton Mets who are uh, ripping them by Twitter. Enough Tebow for hopefully the rest of the season. Looking at some quick hitters across the league, across from your column, Ryan Braun and Yasiel Puig were discussed between the Dodgers and the Brewers in a trade. In your opinion. Who gets traded first, and you know, do the Dodgers need to trade Puig more than the Brewers need to trade Braun, or I guess which team needs to trade their player most? Well, I mean, I, I, you could say the Brewers because uh, Braun's still got that $20 million a year salary, and uh, if they really want to remake their team and loosen up some money, um, you, know, you could make the case they need to trade Braun more. Um, I, I think he's performing at that level. I think it's just the... Um, the injury history and all the history is the reason that he was able to clear waivers and uh, and the Brewers are willing to pay a little bit of it down but not too much and I kind of understand that because he's still a, a very very good player now Puig was claimed as we know by at least three teams the White Sox and the Orioles as well so he's worth less than his contract no matter how badly he's doing I mean uh, he was he had a poor first half and at least three teams claimed him. Braun had a great first half, and nobody claimed him. But it's about the money. So for the money reason, I do think that the Brewers probably uh, need to make the trade more. Uh, Puig isn't. The Dodgers don't need that six million dollars a year. Uh, not a big deal to them. Uh, they'll have a, a kind of a test run here again uh, for the last month to see if he can get along in that clubhouse because that certainly was a big issue. And if he can't do it again, if there's any red flags again they're going to need to trade him as well but if he was getting along in in the minors he was playing well in the minors and uh obviously josh reddick was not doing the job for the dodgers for the most part and uh, they felt that they needed to bring him back so uh, at least it gives him an opportunity to see whether he can coexist with the rest of the team and if he can't you know maybe he will be brought to the trade block is puig all signs positive so far in la so far, we haven't heard anything uh, negative. He's only been there for a few days, but it certainly was positive in Oklahoma City. He had that first day where he seemed to have a, a nice party for himself, but after that, he settled down. Uh, you know, he did not get along with any of the players before. Uh, things were not good. Uh, and when you've got an OPS of 700 instead of the 950 or so that he started with, 
uh, that all becomes a problem. So, uh, you know what? If he does one of the two, if he behaves great or he gets his play back, maybe not to 950 OPS, but to 850, either one. You can, if you have an 850 OPS, you can be uh, a little bit of an issue, but you can't be an issue and have a 700 OPS. You, he's, he's got an opportunity here. He's got to do one of the two things, either behave or hit. In the American League wild card race, uh, Toronto is currently first. They're a game back of Boston, um, a game ahead of Baltimore. You have Detroit, a game back. Yankees, two games back. Houston, two and a half games back. Kansas City, still a prayer at four. And Seattle, four and a half. I guess which of those two teams or which two of those teams do you see making it and which one could be the most dangerous yeah i'm going to say uh boston and toronto make it and then i i'm going to go with uh i'm going to go with baltimore uh kind of confounding some of the critics a lot of people think baltimore is going to fall down but i'm going to go with the uh, al east uh, getting three teams in there and the yankees are still in there as a miracle great job that they're doing to stay in there even after their big sale and uh, a detroit threat uh, you know they obviously have some uh, big names and uh, they've done a nice job kansas city uh, two-time world series entrant uh, has come on in the second half as well it's a tough it's a tough one uh, national league is a little bit easier teams aren't playing as well there aren't many of, as many of them involved uh, it's difficult in the American League. There's a lot happening. I still think uh, at this point, Houston, Seattle are lo- look like long shots. Too many teams to climb above and have to play too well to get there. Yeah, I said earlier this week that I thought if Houston could survive their 10-game stretch against the Indians, the Rangers, and the Cubs, and so far I think they're 500 on that. I think they won the first two in Cleveland and lost the last two. But if they could survive that, their rest of the schedule is easy enough that I think that they're dangerous if they make it, although now having to jump both Detroit, the Yankees, and one of the AL East teams without Dallas Keuchel, who knows how long he's out for. Um, No Lance McCullers back yet. That looks more and more of a long shot, um, but their schedule is favorable, and they can still score, but doesn't look quite as good now needing to jump three teams. Yeah, they get up to a terrible start, and, uh, you know, they're – got some great young players as we know in Altuve and Springer and Correa great triumvirate but uh, uh, to me uh, I, I don't think they're quite as good as a couple of the other teams or they have not played as well um, the, the schedule does matter although it matters more in the National League where the Mets have a ridiculous schedule with Atlanta Philly and I don't know how they got Minnesota thrown in there but I guess that's fair because they, they have played Detroit and Kansas City so they've played the other tough teams in that division but uh, I mean, that's the, the league where the schedule is really going to factor in because uh, that Mets schedule is really a joke at this point. I, I don't think Houston's schedule, from what I recall looking at it, is quite as favorable and is quite as big as an advantage it's going to get them in. But uh, you know, if you're two, three games out at this point, you obviously have a shot. The team that Houston can't beat this year is the Texas Rangers. They have the best record in the American League, but the reason why I think the Indians are going to be the team to beat when it comes to playoffs is because of their starting pitching and because Texas kind of reminds me of the Cubs last year where last year for the Cubs outside of Lester and Arietta, they didn't have a number three guy 
Right now, it's you, Darvish, and Cole Hamels, and Texas is searching for that number three. How concerned should the Rangers be? You know, I, I think the Rangers are in good shape. I, I actually like them. Uh, I, I like having two great pitchers. Uh, Darvish has uh, shown great stuff since his return. Um, you know, Hamels is the battle-tested. Uh, he was 2008 hero for the Phillies. It one blip a couple days ago uh, with a bad start, but I, I like having those two great pitchers. You know, I don't know. The Cubs are a different animal. They're hard to predict. Uh, you know, stuff happens. Uh, it doesn't bother me that uh, they're not quite as deep as maybe you think the Indians are, but to me the Indians have uh, a lot of youth, and the innings will, could catch up to them more than it would with Darvish or Hamels. I think uh, Salazar weighs about 150 pounds, and I don't, maybe 170, I don't know. Real thin guy, I, I'm not sure how he's going to hold up. I mean, Tomlin, I think at this point, is, is really tired. Um, Bauer not pitching quite as well now. So, uh, you know, I think they're pretty heavily going to rely on Kluber. Uh, you know, and if, uh, I'm not discounting the Indians. I don't know. I maybe have been a little, a little bit slower to believe in the Indians than other people have over the years, and they have proved me wrong this year by having a very nice season. But, uh, you know, I would go with Texas over Cleveland in the American League. And maybe Danny Salazar is that X factor as innings pile up. He can be that third guy for the Indians behind Carrasco and Kluber. Um, but if he doesn't hold up, then they're pretty much in the same boat as Texas. So that is a, uh, a good point. The, yeah, I think so. In Texas, I love their hitting. I mean, obviously Lindor and uh, Kipnis and the Indians have hit very, very well this year. And the Texas is without Chu uh, probably until mid-October if they get that far. Uh, but uh, I, I got to like the Texas lineup uh, with Beltre and then adding Beltron and Lucroy and Odor. Uh, I like that team. Bigger surprise in New York, Mets, Yankees. I know we touched on this a bit last week, but now the Yankees are two games back and the Mets are actually in the wild card. Shocking. I don't think anyone would have thought that either one of these teams, the Mets due to the injuries, the Yankees due to the trades. I mean, the Yankees said they weren't waving the white flag when they traded. Chapman, we bought that. They said that when they traded Miller, we bought that to a degree. And then when they traded Beltron, who was by far their best hitter and really their only great hitter in the first half, it was a little harder to believe. But uh, really, the call, calling up Sanchez, he's kind of taken the place of Beltron there. The other guys have kind of loosened up, taken a step forward. You've got Gregorius and Castro uh, doing very well for them as, as well. You know, they've got youth in there. They've got young uh, arms, uh, the bullpen, so their drafts have looked a lot better. Damon Oppenheimer, good job there. Uh, you know, they've really kind of meshed and done a spectacular job. But it's, it's a shocker that they're still there, and it's really equally a shocker that the Mets are still there without Mats and now DeGrom and all of the injuries that they have had. I mean, basically, all of their position players have been hurt to some degree, uh, except for Granderson, and now you've got Walker joining Wright uh, out for the year. Uh, Darno had been injured earlier, as Drupal had been injured. Uh, Duda, I don't know, helping and hoping to come back. I don't, I don't see that. He's been out with a back injury and kind of taking some BP in Port St. Lucie. He's got no minor leagues to warm up at, so I, I think that's a long shot. I, I mean, the injuries, the trades for the Yankees, it's a miracle that either of these teams is in it. And, the Mets are not only in it, but they've got the position right now, and they've got that ridiculously easy schedule. So right now the Mets have, an, you would say, an advantage over St. Louis and probably 
San Francisco, which has struggled and doesn't have quite as easy a schedule as the Mets. This weekend, San Francisco is in Arizona, the Mets at Atlanta, and St. Louis at home against the Brewers. So all three of those should have the advantage there um, to, to keep it close outside of this weekend. When you look at the Cubs, they are going to clinch um, before anybody else, obviously. Is there a real concern, scale 1 to 10, where is your concern level that they clinch I guess, too soon, and then all of a sudden they're going to have to flip a switch at the end of October and say, okay, these games matter now. Uh, You know, two. To me, that's not a big deal. I mean, they've been the best team. Uh, They have great young players. They have excellent pitching. Their defense is excellent. Uh, Their hitting is excellent. I mean, they have a great team. They they should be the favorite. They are the favorite. Now, does that mean they're going to win? Not necessarily. Obviously, we saw Seattle uh, win 116 games in uh, 2001, got eliminated, didn't make it. Uh, no guarantees. Uh, it is kind of a crapshoot. Uh, I do think the history is a little bit of a burden. Uh, they say it's not, but I, I'd say I'd say it matters to some degree. Uh, that being said, throw everything in the mix, including the history, everything else. I still think the Cubs are the favorite at this moment, and that means whether they. Uh, clinch and take it easy, and they are going to clinch soon, but they, if they kind of go through the motions for a couple weeks, rest up guys, you know, I, I don't think it matters. I think they're going to be fine when the time comes, and uh, as long as those pitchers are feeling good and the, giving them some rest is going to be a plus, uh, I think they're the favorite and deservedly so. Yeah, I think the the history aspect and the pressure of 100-plus years and everything that goes into that has more will have more of an effect in the playoffs on a mindset than clinching with two weeks to go and, and taking days off. So they have a young clubhouse with um, strategically placed veterans in, in right spots with Lester, Zobrist. Um, so I think that they'll make it through the rest of the season. When it comes to the playoffs, it's a whole different animal. Whether they're the best team on paper or not, it doesn't u- usually matter in the playoffs. So um, we'll see. But definitely – definitely still a favorite yeah i mean a lot of teams have clinched early there's only one team that carries the burden of 108 years so i mean that's the issue the wild card then when you look at the mets the giants the cardinals pittsburgh four games back miami five what do you what do you see there what what happens there well i think the Mets schedule gives them an advantage and you know i i've thought that the giants were a playoff team all along i'm not sure what's going on with them they have been unbelievably bad. I don't think we've ever seen a team have the best record in the first half and, and the worst record in the second. That They have that potential right now. Uh, I'm shocked. I think a lot of people around there, that team are shocked. I mean, this is much more serious at this point than 2004 when they blew the division lead, had to get in as a wild card, ended up winning the World Series. And they are an October team, so if they get there, they're dangerous. This is an even year. They do have the aces. But they have been very, very bad. That being said, I'm going to give them the slight edge uh, to make it as well. So that would mean that the Cardinals are the third team there. Um, you know, they're going to rely a little bit on the youth um, in terms of the pitching with uh, uh, Reyes Weaver. Uh, you know, obviously Martinez has been very good. Uh, it's been an unusual year for the Cardinals. They've hit a lot of home runs. Their defense has been very bad. They haven't been good at home kind of been an opposite kind of year for the Cardinals and maybe they make it but of those three teams I'm going to say that they don't and 
maybe I'm going on a limb to some degree because the Giants have been by far the worst of those three teams in the second half. Yeah, I give the Cardinals the edge if only because of their Cardinals devil magic that, that they have that the other teams don't, or at least yeah, that the Mets don't. Fair enough. Um, the Mets, I, did, I thought that was an easy one, not to say them, but then when you've showed me how bad their schedule is, it's almost like you have to pick them by default if they can keep what they have in one piece right now and what yeah, they have I mean, is like, much uh, different. Yeah, it's like Sandy Olderson wrote that schedule out. It's not just the Braves and the Phillies. It was the Reds. Now that they've beaten up on the Reds, they've now got the position, but they've got the Phillies, the Braves, and they got the Twins thrown in there. And, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I don't think the Twins and the Braves are going to lose on purpose. Uh, they seem to do it on their own anyway, and the, and the Braves have actually played better of, of late, but... Uh, you know, they, they almost have incentives to lose a little bit to get that number one pick. But, I mean, they're, they're just not good teams. So you, you, you have the Phillies, the Braves, and, and the Twins. Uh, that's a big advantage. Three of the teams that you mentioned, the Reds, Braves, Twins, who the Mets have played recently, are three of the four teams that are officially eliminated, the Brewers being the other one. Last question, when you look at those four teams, which one gets to 500 first? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that's a tough one because I'm not sure any of them are getting there next year. Um, you know, I, I I could see the Brewers potentially, maybe. Uh, we'll see. I mean, they're going to make some more trades. They're going to trade Braun. Um, you know, I don't know that any of them do. Long term, I like the way the Braves are set up with this real stockpile of pitching that they've got at the a level, the double A level. They got pitching all over the place uh, between Freed and Newcomb and Toussaint and uh, Allard. I mean, and that's just a, a few of them. They've got about 15 to 20 great young pitchers, and uh, I think they're going to have a, a good up the middle. Uh, and certainly, Dansby Swanson has looked pretty good and justifying that he was the number one overall pick. I don't know that he's going to be Derek Jeter, but I think he's going to be pretty good. Freeman has hit great lately, and He's a real good hitter. I think setting up for the future, long term, I love the Braves. To pick a winner quickly from any of those teams, I don't see it happening. But, you know, if I had to pick one, i got to pick one. I'll go with the Brewers. Yeah, the Brewers and the Reds are tough because of their division. Uh, the Twins were almost at 500 last year. Surprisingly. Well, they were, yeah. They yeah. were better than 500 last year. So, you know, you could say, well, if they have a similar team, well, why can't they get the five? But they were so bad this year. I mean, that's almost a psychological blow that the way they played uh, this year. Uh, they do have some young players. I don't think they have pitching, though. I, you need to have some pitching to be at least a 500 team. I don't see it there. And you don't know what's going to happen with the, uh, the turnover and the new management there. Well, I'm assuming they're going to be able to pick somebody good. Uh, but does that mean they're going to turn around quickly? I don't know. You know, a good and miracle work are two different things. Either way, it doesn't look good for those four, at least in the immediate future. I Near think it's, term, right. I think Near it's term. Long term, I do like the Braves very much. They have a lot of good young pitching. And, uh, you know, Brewers are making some strides. So check out John's story on todaysknuckleball.com every Thursday. Inside Baseball notes on all 30 teams. He has his rankings up for the 20 uh, best trades in the last two years. I know people were asking where the Russell trade was. That wasn't the last two years, so that's where that was you know what there were a lot of great cubs trades uh, you know they they were just outside of two years though they made them all in, in a short order right i mean arietta was a unbelievable trade as well I, I mean they had three or four that i looked at but i i just gave it two year uh was my term on that so 
we will talk next week. We'll be on iTunes soon. I'm just the messenger. Quit asking me when it's going to be up, everybody, because I don't know. I'm just the messenger. But it'll be soon, and we will do this again next week. Thanks, John. All right, Tommy. Thanks.